This podcast is sponsored by eBay Canada. eBay Canada is here to help. They've been supporting Canadian small business retailers for 25 years and have recently launched their up and running program to meet an urgent need to get businesses online today. New business sellers can get a free e-commerce store for 90 days when they visit ebay.ca slash up and running. Offer open until August the 22nd. It's Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Phil Bliss of Business Visionary and welcome to Toronto's Podcasts, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source of the great insights from entrepreneurs across Canada. Okay, Dennis, nice to see you. And as I said, welcome to Canada's Podcast. And uh, as we said, you know, let's kick off, you know, introduce yourself to, uh, to everyone. Tell them a little bit about you, the person, and you, the entrepreneur, basically. Sure. Um, thank you, Phil, for having me on today. It's uh, mm-hmm. great to be here. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of the guests you've had are, are, are their friends of mine or people I've interacted with. So it's, uh, it's a great setup you have to share the stories of entrepreneurs across Canada. So thank mm-hmm. you for having me. So uh, a little bit about myself. I'll, I'll share about where I came from because that really says a lot about what I'm up to mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in the Middle East and moved around a tremendous amount uh, in the first 12 years of life. I probably went to 10 or 12 schools before undergrad. Um, every year, every two years, different school, different city. Been there, done that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if that's all you know, that's normal, right? I, I yeah. had no idea that uh, yeah. there are yeah. people out there that live their entire lives in one city <laughs> or, or with one group of friends. Me, every movement, new school, new city, new friends, always try to fit in again and, and keep moving. Until finally, 1996, the whole family moved to Canada. Uh, I did high school in two different schools, of course. The, the one plus side of all of those moves is I ended up, uh, just by virtue of the schools I went to, skipping two years uh, of schooling along the way. So I finished high school at 16. And in my high school, I said, okay, what do I want to do afterwards? I, I bought my LSAT books. I bought my GMAT books. I was thinking of medicine. But ultimately, engineering was the hardest to get into. So I said, it, it must be good. So let's, let's apply it. <laughs> let's try and do that for, for, mm-hmm. for not a whole lot of reason other than that. And I did like computers. I, in kindergarten, I remember learning about this uh, programming language called Logo, which is a turtle that moved around the screen and you could make shapes. And I yeah, still yeah. remember that mm-hmm. uh, from kindergarten. And I remembered when uh, we first bought an IBM XT computer two and a half megahertz, no hard drive, five and a <laughs> half or five and a quarter inch floppy disks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved it. And I was always into computers, but never thought that would be exactly what I'd get into. But I ended up going into engineering, went through schooling. Uh, I applied to IBM. I, I'd actually missed the deadline for the application for the internship. Right. And through a friend of mine that worked there, I managed to get invited anyway to the interview slots. Uh, like the day before I managed to get on gone through the interview, went to IBM, kept moving. And I remember one time at IBM, I asked my manager, I said, hey, so what's next for me? I'm, I'm here for the last year. When's my next promotion? And they said, you know, in four to five years, we can talk about it. And for me, I said, wow, that's five or six years in total before the next step. That, that feels like a long time. So I applied uh, for a consulting role at McKinsey & Company on their website, went through the process, ended up spending seven years over there. Loved my, loved my experience. I took a two-year break to do my business school in the middle. Mm-hmm. It was very standard for everyone to go do your MBA, come back. 
And in that time, I started working with a lot of insurance companies and sitting with uh, the management teams or the directors. The discussion was always on one side of insurance, the home and car insurance, mm-hmm. because that's perceived to be a bit easier. It's a much bigger market, uh, a bigger headache. And people forgot about or, or chose not to focus on the commercial insurance side. So that's insurance for businesses. And I really saw an opportunity there. So I ended up quitting uh, at the end of 2015 to co-founds insurance. And I had thought about quitting for many, many years prior to that. As much as I loved the job and I, and I had a great time, I saw all my friends launching different businesses. Some, most failed actually, uh, and some succeeded as is normal. And I thought to myself, if I, if I don't do this now, I, I don't know if I ever will. It's, it's always harder the longer you go, you make more money, yeah. you're more settled. I was about to get married. I constantly did the net present value analysis of, of the job versus a startup. Right. And the job right. always won. So I never quit. <laughs> and eventually I took the decision and, and then moved on and, and launched mm-hmm. insurance at the beginning of 2016. Were you, were, I'm interested, were your parents entrepreneurs or, 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 or not? No. Um, so in my extended family, there's a lot of small business owners. Okay. Uh, my parents and uh, my sister were very much, hey, let's do a job. My sister's a doctor. My brother is an entrepreneur, so he loves yeah. being in the construction space. But generally, my family's been non-entrepreneurs. Okay, okay. You know, in terms of why you become an entrepreneur, you know, right. that, I mean, I, I, I worked it out. I was at 14 different places, you know, over okay. – over what seventeen years, kind of thing. Okay. So the same, wow. same kind of thing, you know. And maybe that's means that corporate life. You never, you know, that waiting for five years for the next move. Maybe that we just don't <laughs> have the patience. I don't know. I'm always interested <laughs> yeah. to know why would you become an entrepreneur? You know, like you, you were with McKinsey, you were with IBM. I was with GM and big names. You know, it's like why the heck did we leave? You know, I mean, and 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 go it on our own when yeah. you know, most people clamor to be with those big names. So it's just, uh, it's kind of interesting. It's, uh, I, I, I haven't worked that profile thing out in terms of why. why. How long have you been in Toronto now? So since 96, so 24 so, years. So why stay here? What are the benefits of being in Toronto? I mean, yeah. I, I assume you have a you know, reasonably international view of things. What What's the... What's the benefit of being here, you think? Yeah. So when I was doing my MBA in the U.S., I, I had the choice of staying there or coming back to Toronto. And just the way McKinsey works, you can live in one place and work elsewhere. So I said, mm-hmm. I love living in Toronto. My friends are here. I had relatives. This is where I was comfortable. So I, I lived here, but most of my work was elsewhere. Right. So that's why I, I came back. And then why be an entrepreneur here is just this was where my network ended up being. Okay. Given I lived here so long, my professional life has been here. But again, our, my biggest investor is from the U.S. So just physically yeah. being here doesn't limit where you can do business. No, I, I totally agree with you. I have this question, what's the best thing about being an entrepreneur? But I think most people think it's sort of getting rich you know the the material side of it, which has yeah. has definitely has a, has a part. But what, what what for you, you know, is that it, or what's the best thing about being an entrepreneur? I, I agree with you. It, if you are trying to get into entrepreneurship with the sole purpose of making money, you're going to have a really long uphill battle. The mm-hmm. majority of people never cash it in. 
-hmm. And so you'll be sorely disappointed if that's your primary reason. For me, it was part of, it was two part. One was the allure of it and and, um, just what you see other people, the excitement they have with what Mm -hmm. they, about what they're doing, uh, the impact they feel like they have, the control they have of what they do day to day. That really appealed to me. Being able to have an idea, uh, marshal a team, bring a set of uh, investors and supporters and really live out a vision. That was the most exciting thing for me. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I said, look, let's say I fail. I tried once or two or three times. I can always go back to a job. The job of any form, of some form, will always be there. In my mind, taking this high risk of cutting off the, the salary, still paying rent, still meeting all your obligations, it just gets harder and harder later on in life. So it was, it was part the excitement and the control in that part that I mentioned, but also I don't know if I can ever do this later in life. You're in the insurance business. You know, you've brought, I would imagine, a logic slash technical approach to it with, with your computer engineering background. You know, so what are you most excited about in your approach in that business today? I'll give you an example of something from this weekend, which really illustrates okay, cool, cool. what excites me. So I, uh-huh. I bought a, a leather recliner this weekend from Lazy Boy. And it's something I wanted next to my desk to, to read a book or something. And I, and, I, and I knew what I wanted. I checked the website. I go in and tell the person, hey, this is the one I like. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. All right, let me pull out the swatch. So she went and looked for piles and piles of leather. Which one do you like? Looking yeah. up codes. Okay, I like this one. Great. Um, let me pull out the pricing manual. All right, out comes the pricing manual. This option, that option, that option. It's all paper. Let's go to the computer. And then uh, a form was printed. The form was printed, and we started filling out. <laughs> I can't believe by, it. You're telling me. I can't like, believe it. You know. And then we go to the next desk. So now this is the third desk. We go to the next desk where there has to be faxed into some yeah. central location, yeah. and on and on and on. It took me 35 minutes uh, to buy a couch. That's only 35 minutes. In insurance, it can take you two to three weeks to buy a policy. Mm-hmm. And it's the same manual process. People after people after people, probably after government, insurance is going to be the second biggest users of faxes. Mm-hmm. Maybe healthcare is somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So our vision, what really excites me is eliminating all of that waste, that overhead. There's a lot of biases that come in, a lot of conflicts of interest. So we just want to have a machine do that in a clean, simple, proper way, and just, just make it as you would expect. You know, you can buy a car online, a plane ticket. I ordered a book yesterday, and it's going to be delivered in one hour. Uh, within less than 24 hours, I have it. Why can't I buy a $500 insurance policy like that? So that, that's the part that frustrates me, but also is the reason we exist. This podcast is sponsored by eBay Canada. eBay Canada is powering Canadian small businesses. Go to ebay.ca slash up and running to open your online shop. So, I mean, we, we, had a, we were just talking, we've had a couple of other peers, if you like, that are trying to transform the insurance business. I mean, it's a very conservative business. Um, and, yeah. it, and it's dominated by the few, not the many. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, can you impact the future? Yeah, uh, I hope so. There's, there's mm-hmm. no guarantee. We're, we're four years in and there's still no guarantee. Yeah. Uh, the industry is often described as male, pale, and stale. 
just because <laughs> nothing ever changes, right? Um, it, it, policies are still sold the way they were 50 years ago. So it, it's, a, it's a fair question. Our, our whole reason of existing is because it's this way. So I'm, I'm, uh, um, it creates the opportunity. Can we impact it? Um, we're already seeing signs that we are impacting it four years in. It's not a long okay. time. We write with 50 different insurance companies in Canada now. Mm -hmm. uh, a handful of them have given us authority to issue policies on their behalf. So mm -hmm. we, like, we issue the policy, and one month later, they realize we've issued the policy. That, that's the way it works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're now trusting us to that level. Uh, we're almost at 100 employees. We, we're licensed coast to coast. Mm -hmm. So there's some early signs yeah, that customers good. are that's trusting good. us over 10,000 customers, uh, business owner customers. So it's, there's a lot of early signs, but who knows what's going to happen over the next four years. So let's move on to challenges. You know, I mean, I think the, the, the big listening, learning thing is, is how we all face challenges. And remarkably, we don't necessarily all have the same formula for, for, for overcoming challenges. Uh, so when you're faced with those unexpected challenges. I mean, we can use logic as much as we want, but it's still, we still hit things that, that we, we don't anticipate. How do you typically handle those? They can be, you know, critical. Yeah. And we, we face these types of things every month or two months, some big issue. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm lucky in, in, sense, in the sense that I'm, I'm not a very emotional person. Probably not a very good thing for my family, but, but in, in a business context, ups, downs, you would not see it. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm very stoic that way. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's, um, I, I use typically a couple of times a week, early morning. I'm typically up at 6 a.m. I'll go to a coffee shop in a pre-COVID world or, or some corner, quiet corner mm. with just a notebook and I'll make my notes. No laptop, no phone, I just do that. So for me, if there's a big challenge like that, I'll try and break it down, assess it, think about it, reflect on the past, think about the future, and really just make paper notes. And then I have a really good network of, of other startup founders and, and friends in the industry and mm -hmm. people at insurance companies that I can pick up the phone and call or exchange emails, get together. It's a bouncing off ideas of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, part one is me really just breaking it down, making sure I understand what it is, mm -hmm. and then relying on, a, on my network to help solve it. And quite often, our employees will solve the problem before I even hear about it. So, so they'll, they might be doing the same thing. So what's been the greatest challenge to date that you've had to overcome? The greatest challenge, and it's something we are still working on, mm -hmm. is convincing more and more insurance companies that online distribution, the, the one we are uh, putting forward, is the only model that we think will succeed in the way we're looking at it. Um, then the, the current pandemic must have helped you in the sense, like all of us in the digital side of things, I mean, yeah. it's speeding it up. Absolutely. Um, so it, it's really convincing them that, hey, yes, there, there will be some room for in-person sales, um, mm -hmm. but the average customer is now used to Amazon and, and uh, Uber and Uber Eats, these apps that are online, that's really instant gratification. People want the same for insurance and that they should be supporting that shift, not resisting it. So we've made progress, but there's still more to go. And, and absolutely, COVID helped. There was a handful of insurance companies that only accepted physical signatures before. That's mm -hmm. gone now. <laughs> Electronic mm -hmm. signatures are okay. Mm -hmm. Many only accepted check payments. That's gone. They're saying, mm -hmm. please, no more checks, only electronic. Mm -hmm. So this has really helped move mm -hmm. some, some things forward. 
If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? I think I waited too long to try the entrepreneurship route. Um, How old are you when you stepped out of McKinsey? Uh, 32, maybe 33. Hey, you were about right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like I should have left earlier. Um, okay. I, I left what I think was probably the last point at which I would have been comfortable leaving, okay. as comfortable as one could be. So my yeah, advice yeah. to my younger self would be uh, take more risks, take them earlier, uh, and, and don't worry about things. Things have a way of working themselves out. You can get a job later. If yeah. not IBM, then something else. If not McKinsey, then something else. What's the best piece of advice that you've received? Not just received, but you know, it resonated and you kind of carry it around with you. It was that, that morning routine was, mm-hmm. uh, was a piece of advice I got from a, a local Toronto founder. He said um, he would take one or two mornings each week to do exactly that. And this was maybe three years ago. I started doing that right away. It, it helps so much because as soon as you step into the office or you open your laptop, you get WhatsApp messages, text messages, emails, Slack, everything. You just can't focus. You end up spending time on the urgent things rather than the important things. And when you carve out your morning, you can focus on the non-urgent but important things. Right. Your mind is clear, uh, no distractions. You get so much more done. So let's move on to um, what, what I term rapid-fire questions. You know, don't think too much about them. Just go for it. If you weren't doing what you were doing now, what would you be doing instead? And why would you be doing it? I probably would still be at McKinsey because that would have been the easiest thing to do. Yeah, and you kind of enjoyed it from what you said. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Yeah. It was great. You know, it's a, it's a, that kind of thing is a problem solution. You, you brought in, you, saw, you, know, you, you, you work on the problem, you solve it, off to the next one kind of thing. That's right, yeah. Uh, what book are you currently reading or listening to? Or what book would you really recommend or a couple of books that yeah. kind of really made a dent in your uh, your psyche, basically? Uh, there's one I read recently and one that I'm rereading now. Uh, the one I'm rereading now is So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. Okay. Uh, the whole philosophy there is um, don't follow your passion. You know, everyone says follow your passion. The book is about don't follow your passion. Follow what you're good at, you will become passionate about it. I think that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I believe that. I was not passionate about insurance before. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I remember my, my only experience with insurance when I was younger was the old guy who used to come to events and parties in the community center to sell me car insurance or, or my parents. <laughs> I, I always thought, there's no way I'm going to be that guy. But here yeah. I am. I am that guy now, a licensed insurance broker. But I've become passionate about it. I love the industry, having spent time and, and gotten good at certain aspects of it. Uh, so I, I, I like that book a lot. Mm-hmm. And the other one uh, is by Ben Horowitz, uh, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. should be mandatory reading for every entrepreneur, mm-hmm. talking about the character uh, grit. I think that is probably the most important skill set someone needs to either be born with or learn. I'm, I'm sh- I believe people can learn it to be successful over time. And that book is fantastic about it. So thinking of that one word, if you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would it be and why? It it would be now, I I would hope for it to be grit because of all of the challenges we've been through as a company, 
either raising money, yeah, hiring I think, employees. I think grit, tenacity, perseverance. Yeah. So these are right. all really good. If you're if you're not that, then you're not going to be an entrepreneur. You know, basically, it will be very hard. There's a great movie called True Grit. Uh, it's about a little girl's journey and her yeah, grit, and it's yeah, a great yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. What's keeping you up at night? So I, I recently gave up caffeine, and so my sleep has oh. gotten so much better. <laughs> 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 so I'm not as much uh, not as up as much anymore. Um, but the times that are, are I am up, probably a couple times a month, thinking about the evolution of the company uh, yeah. at the pace we're growing, we're a new company every month. Uh, sorry, every nine months. Okay. Uh, like maybe 50% bigger, more insurance partners, more customers, different scope uh, added in. Mm -hmm. So really thinking about what do we need to do differently to be ready for the next evolution of the company? Mm -hmm. What skill sets do we need? What partnerships do we need? How much capital do we need? Yeah. Probably a couple times a month, I'm, I'm up at three or four in the morning. I can't sleep and I'm thinking about this. And how do someone that's like an individual contributor now, will they make it to the manager level? What will it take? for us to support them on that journey so that they can take their division to the next level. So really what's, what, what's next for everybody in the company. So what's your most favorite place in the world? Is it Toronto or is it somewhere else? Depends. If you're asking favorite place to live, absolutely Toronto. There's only a few other places that I think I could go to for a period of time, but I'd want to come back. So if it's to live uh, without hesitation, I'd be here. If it's to visit, there's lots of different places for different reasons. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think the simple answer to your place is Toronto. You probably heard the tropical island question. If you say <laughs> you say you've listened to some of your other buddies that, that have done it, you know, yeah, uh, and it, we do it for kind of fun anyway. Um, you know, so there's a small tropical island in the middle of the ocean. Uh, there's no technology. All there is is an old style phone booth, basically. Uh, we drop you off there, and you can make a phone call whenever you want for us to come and pick you up. How long do you last, and what do you do? <laughs> yeah, I've definitely heard this question. Um, so as an entrepreneur, we never like to hear no. We never like to see boundaries. We always like to challenge things. So first thing I do is challenge the phone and see if I can actually make a call and order supplies, my laptop, a satellite phone, something so I can set up an office there. Yeah, yeah. But let's say that's not possible for whatever reason. What I First, I do um, the scout for supplies, food, water, etc. Yeah. And I've always thought about going to one of those Vipassana 10-day silence retreats. Mm -hmm. I just thinking about it, I don't know how I would force myself to disengage from life for 10 days. Mm -hmm. So if I truly was stuck on this island, I would spend those 10 days, uh, that would be a sign to say, this is now your time to do the 10-day silence retreat. So I would do that and then call to be taken home. Interesting. It's funny how people respond to that. So, Danish, you know, thanks very much for the interview. Really good, really, really good, good input. Some, some, some good gems there. And I always like, you know, people listen and, and they, they, they see us and they often have questions, especially of you, not so much of me. So how can people get a hold of you um, uh, if they do? Best is LinkedIn. Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn, Danish Yusuf, and uh, shoot me a message or engage with me there. I'm uh, often active on LinkedIn, but you know, that's the best place. Danish, once again, thanks very much for coming on Canada's podcast. It's been great. Thank you for having me. 
Thanks everyone for taking the time today to listen to Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters or write a review for us on iTunes. You can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at CanadasPodcast.com, where you can listen, discover, and engage. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'll see you next time. This podcast is sponsored by eBay Canada. eBay Canada is here to help. They've been supporting Canadian small business retailers for 25 years and have recently launched their up-and-running program to meet an urgent need to get business online today. New business sellers can get a free e-commerce store for 90 days when they visit ebay.ca slash up and running. Access eBay's 170 plus million buyers around the world. With eBay Canada, you can stay local, sell global, and power up. That's ebay.ca slash up and running. Offer is open until August the 22nd.